Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Adam White. Snow is falling all around us, but football will keep us warm, and it certainly did in France this weekend, with no result having less than two goals in it this weekend. A fantastic little stat for you. A nice little early Christmas present for us all. But before we delve into the action, it's time for the latest headlines. Strasbourg built on their big win at home to Paris Saint-Germain last week by possibly surpassing that performance in a superb 3-0 win away to Bordeaux on Friday night. Jocelyn Govenex men have now won just once in their last nine games and are two points above the drop zone. PSG safely recovered from that loss with a solid 3-1 win against Lille. Kylian Mbappe, Angel Di Maria and Javier Pastore all on the score sheet for the hosts who were without Neymar due to a leave of absence for the Brazilian. In the multiplex, Monaco came from two goals down to beat 3-2. Hun Yun Suk's double gave the away side an unlikely lead, but Mathieu Deplange's own goal then allowed Guido Carrillo to notch his own brace to steal the three points for the champions. Gangomp thrashed in form Dijon 4-0 after the away side saw Usama Haddadi sent off after 12 minutes, while Toulouse finally got out of their recent funk with a strong 2-0 win over high-flying Com. Mets earned only their fifth point of the season by drawing with Rennes, as Angers begin to drift a little with them, as they could only may manage to earn a point against Montpellier in a one-all draw. On Sunday, youngster Hasim Amra, I can never say this name probably, Awa, when I read it, it's, a, it's an awful one, inspired Leon to come from behind away against Amiens with his double earning his side the win in added time, while Nice also recovered from a goal down at Nantes to win 2-1. And in the weekend's final match, Marseille brushed aside Saint-Étienne 3-0 with Ronéo Pierre-Gabriel seeing red after 50 minutes. The Lever now sit 15th with just one win in their last 10 games and are looking over their shoulders at the drop. In European news, Paris Saint-Germain have drawn Real Madrid for the knockout stages of the Champions League, while in the Europa League draw, Lyon will take on Villarreal, Marseille face Braga, while Nice take on Locomotive Moscow. And that's all for the news, but remember, to stay up to date with all your French football news, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the draw that we saw earlier today. And my word, Paris Saint-Germain could possibly not have picked a worse opponent to face in the <laughs> next round. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of players and, and, and the uh, management team at, at Paris were not too delighted that their name was drawn with the current ch champions, the team that also have won it in back-to-back -back years, the team that have also won it in three of the last four years, Adam. Um, we were saying that Bayern Munich would be a big test and obviously they at least partially passed that with their home performance. But if there was really a test of their metal for this season in the Champions League, this it couldn't be bigger, really, could it? No, it couldn't. And I think the sort of 
it's a very sort of there's a bit of irony here in that PSG spent you know the, the, the first half of the season trying to win the Champions League, but it's really their only objective for the up, up until the knockout stage of the Champions League, especially since their league in league and the lead in league and opened up, I should say, uh, to the point where it, it looks like they're not going to be caught, and it would be even though Monaco out of European football, and you know Thomas Lamar's back, there's you know there's a glimmer of hope, but even so, PSG should be comfortable with that lead, and this was their only objective, and they go and win the group, having messed it up last season and finished second to Arsenal and drawn a really good. Obviously, a very difficult side in Barcelona, and go, you know, they went out. They were even tweeting hashtag finish first on their Twitter account before the Bayern game. And, you know, to go and win the group, they did well to win the group, winning that first game against Bayern 3 0. They were poor in the return leg. And then to draw Real Madrid, um, having, you know, achieved that that goal, is it just, it's, it's, it's almost laughable that they, and then Bayern go and draw Besiktas, which is the kind of draw the PSG are after in this sort of round, because at one of Emery's, you know, um, one of Emery's key targets this season is obviously to progress in the Champions League. It's the only real target PSG have. So yeah, it really couldn't have been tougher, and it's 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 sort of rather unfortunate they spent all this effort in winning their Champions League group, and then it really didn't matter in the end. Um, I think this is going to be a really tight game. I've been saying, as as, as I'm sure is hardly a you know a new opinion, but I've, I've sort of been thinking for a long time in this in this European season that. PSG would end up playing Real Madrid at some point, and they would lose to them. I, I thought I actually had a feeling I'd be in the semis of the final. I felt like they would, they would do pretty well this year, but they would get knocked out. And I, I have a feeling Real Madrid, my my personal pick, despite their poor La Liga form, um, to win the competition again. Um, so I, I really think this is a very very difficult tie for PSG. And given that it, although they've got a little bit of time to work out their sort of issues that they've got at the moment, it's it's obviously the first week not until February, but. I think as it stands, I, I really think that they, they would struggle uh, against against Real Madrid to to, to, to even give them much much of a, a you know too much of a well to put too much pressure on them. It's probably the best way of putting it. And um, um, me and Eric wrote in our in our in our in our piece for the Guardian this week about the fact that Emery um, Emery's losing control on the squad a little bit, and it feels like they're they're the ones sort of controlling him and. Emery's struggled to sort of impose sort of a discipline on his team and it really shows in 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 sort of tighter encounters where their lack of rigor and, and discipline really really is exposed and as it was against Bayern last week and in as it has been a number of times in Champions League and I really feel like Real Madrid the team to really to really ram that home if you like so yeah it couldn't have been tougher and I think as it stands PSG would, would be going out yeah there's a real worry in this one I mean the better part compared to last season when they did face Barcelona, obviously, is that at least the home leg is the second tie. So they might fluff it up beforehand and might make the recovery this time. That mm. might be the, the positive because they've still not lost at home this season. In fact, they've they've not even drawn at the Parc de Prince yet. So it's it's showing that they've got something there at least anyway to, to sort of hang on to. But yeah, you start to think of all the opponents they could have faced. I mean, I've, I mean, it, Looking at Bayern Munich as well, who finished second in their group, they yeah. ended up drawing Besiktas, which no slight on them. They are they've shown already in this campaign that they've they're a solid side. But you would much mm. rather face them that the team that has the experience that they've won three in the last four of the tournament. You you would think as well that the current sort of plight they're in. I know they're fourth in La Liga. I, think, I know that they've not quite really hit the heights with Ronaldo not scoring as much in the in the league, but he scored plenty in the Champions League, which will put the yeah. frighteners in you. You think Bale's still coming back from injuries. You're thinking that um, Isco's sort of getting back into form. They've still got Asensio. They've got Benzema. They've got a wonderful array of talent, really. Um, but if they really wanted a test to see if they could win the Champions League, 
this is absolutely it. If they get through this test, you might even say they're a favourites for the tournament, really. I, mean, I know that the other sides like Manchester City have got a relatively favourable draw. You'd still maybe fancy Barcelona <clears> over <throat> Chelsea as well, over two legs. That, that That's another side that will be involved in the, in the latter stages. But I think whoever wins this tie will be... Um, absolutely within the running for for winning it but more importantly than this um, we've touched on Emery already Adam and I want to get your thoughts on this because the Champions League is the end game really for Paris Saint-Germain and for Emery the reason he was brought in was for his experience in Europe having done well in the Europa League with Sevilla in 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 several different seasons but um, if they lose this tie even though it's against Real Madrid because they're eliminated so early from the Champions League, possibly. Obviously, it will be around late February time by the time the, the ties are finished. Is that the end of Unai Emery at Paris Saint-Germain? I think it would be. Uh, obviously, from our, it's, it's difficult to, to say that it would be an outright failure, losing to the, you know, arguably the, the favourites of the competition. In, in, but I have a feeling that, there's, there's a lot of caveats to this, but I have a feeling that's because it's a second round game and they hadn't progressed and he hasn't shown progression on last season, they haven't improved under him in very literal terms, then that might not be enough for QSI and, and Nasser Al-Khalifi, who I'm I'm beginning to think that his his perhaps lack of understanding of football not being he was a professional tennis player, I seem to remember, but his lack his lack of history in, in football. Is, is sort of really hurting PSG a little bit at the moment because I feel like if he had that sort of long-standing relationship with the sport, he might, as the person who makes the decisions at the top of PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, he, he may be a little bit more switched on to the fact that the, the, the players are running the show. And I really feel like he is either oblivious to that or perhaps isn't necessarily willing to admit it. And I think that Emery has almost been sort of put in a bit of a corner in that he can't override his player power. And, and it, it, it may come down to the fact that Nasser Al-Khalifi sees it as Emery's problem. It may be down to Emery's lack of a strong, strong managerial presence. But there's, there's also something to be said that Emery might not be able to override what are now extremely powerful players in Neymar and Dani Alves and a few others. And that may not be something that he... As, as hard as he tries, he might not be able to overcome that. And that can't be entirely down to him. I think he's obviously the person that you put that that, that blame at. But and I think Massaf Clive wouldn't wouldn't see those caveats and wouldn't wouldn't see Emery as not necessarily entirely to blame and there he's fighting against the tide to some extent. And I think because they haven't progressed and they haven't improved on their previous performance, then I think that would be the end. I, I don't know that it would be right away. I think that the way PSG did it with Laurent Blanc, um, and I think they might do it here is wait until the summer and perhaps see how it plays out a little bit. But I think when it came round to June and July, perhaps during the World Cup when it's sort of swapped, you know, not as big a news, then he, he might be moved along if they were to, especially if they were beaten, you know, comfortably. If there's a if it's a close game and you know they really show that they're capable of competing against the biggest sides in the competition, then he might be all right. But I, I really think he's working on thin ice as it is. And I was honestly surprised he stayed last summer. So I think it, everything is kind of going against him at the moment. I think it was, Lakeep said there's an abyss between him and Neymar at the moment, which, and I think in a battle between those two, there's only really one winner. If Neymar's not happy, combined with the fact that PSG aren't performing as the president or QSI would hope, 
then name and then Emery's the man to to foot the bill if you like. So I think everything's. I think he's made mistakes and he's something he could change. And is, but I still think that it's going to be very difficult for for him to sort of change that that course that they're on. So yeah, I think I think if they did go out, I think he'd be gone by by the start of next season. Yeah, I think he was saved by a, a better second half of the season after that mm. uh, Barcelona defeat. I mean, they looked a little bit better in the league, but it's it's really hard to judge given that obviously their end game, like we mentioned, is the Champions League, really. And I thought at the time of the appointment, it seemed like a strange one, really. I don't think he ever really brought the Champions League experience they, they felt they needed. And no. at the same time, thinking about the squad and, and the, the Brazilian clique we had in the past, and now this, this sort of... Neymar black hole they have now, which is a player, obviously, Unai Emery is not going to say no to, but he's not no. a player he's asked for necessarily. He's not gone to the ownership and go, get me Neymar. That's the kind of player I need to improve this team because that's really where they didn't need the, the fix. But the shame in, in this sort of scenario in modern football as well, and it's a, it's a problem we saw, albeit briefly at least publicly, in in, uh, in Chelsea when they had Andre Villas-Boas as well, where the squad ate him. Essentially, they they, they, yeah. they they all cliqued around him, and the fact that a manager isn't hasn't got the power, or or in some cases the cojones maybe, um, to sort of make those bold decisions and make a statement of power and have that control, um, is it's a little bit alarming, really, because then you start thinking of the managers that might take this job. Now, the only one that really comes to mind that has at least a little bit of that, or at least the right relationship, is is Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think of all the other big name managers. I mean, Thomas Tuchel is had butted heads at Borussia Dortmund with management, and that might be a, a similar scenario that might put PSG off. and And some players have had doubts on him as well at that club. You look at maybe some of one they might try and poach. I'm, I'm not really certain of who they can really go for, really, other than the, those two that are already out of work. I mean, unless someone was to leave the club, maybe maybe a Klopp if he if he's done with Liverpool or or you know if they wait for Pep Guardiola to finish his three year cycle at Manchester City if that <laughs> was to come to pass as well. It's a difficult scenario. It's maybe they go for would they go for Diego Simeone or or would he be too demanding for those players because again they a lot of them seem to like the easy life a little bit. Not saying that in the harsher terms, but there's plenty of players that sort of coasted um, a number of times, especially this season, that even though they are coasting to wins at the same time. But um, a tough one for him and a, a real tough draw. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Diego Simeone would be a decent bet just because of the style that he has. I, I feel like PSG need a manager who is almost going to be a bigger personality than them and is is going to run the team and, and it's either his way or, or, you know, no way, if you like. So and that's what Lot Blanc and and Emery have lacked, and they need a manager who's going to, for better or worse, be in charge and give them that winning mentality and really push them. There's no fear for PSG. They 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 coast to their to league victories for the most part. Monaco being an aberration last season, and there's no there's no sort of there's that winning mentality just isn't there. And I think Simeone Simeone might be the man to provide that. So it might be a decent shout, but it's yeah. I'm just imagining that fiery Argentinian having a bit of a screaming match at the likes of Angel Di Maria and, <laughs> and Neymar. Yeah, exactly. Maybe them, maybe them shrinking. Up, yeah, maybe maybe they might shrink a little bit under someone so fiery as <laughs> someone like Simeone. <laughs> but we'll have a quick discussion of really of the, the Europa League draws, and they were all pretty interesting ties. Really, I mean, Leon will take on Villarreal, who've had a, a good 
start to the season. Cedric Bacambu coming back to France, who's been excellent this season and, and really banging in the goals for for the uh, yellow submarine. Marseille take on Braga, who are a decent Portuguese team. Obviously, they're, they're slightly behind the other three teams in Portugal, but they always give a, a great game and they have a fantastic stadium as well. I love that uh, picturesque sort of rock face that they have in there, just on the side of their stadium. It's as well. a quarry, it's really, isn't it? Yeah it's, yeah, it's a lovely stadium. And uh, Nice face a, a side that we're in the Champions Well, well have had a, a good season so far in, in Locomotive Moscow and going to Russia on those early kickoffs can can always be a a tough ask as well. What do you think to the three draws, really? Are these favourable for all the league sides or are these as as even as possibly you could have got? Um, I think they're really exciting. I think I agree with you that they're definitely three really exciting games and they'll be three hardly, hardly four games and sort of well contested. Um, of the three, though, I think Villarreal is, is come to be the, the toughest. You mentioned um, Cambu there is having a great season. You know, Carlos Baca, Nicolas Sansoni is a player I like who's been in and out of the side. Um, Chigueros in midfield. You know, Bruno's been injured this season, but he's a very, very good player, assuming he's back in time for, for the time. They're, they're, they're a very, very well organised team, even with um, without the manager who's gone to Valencia now. I forget, I forget his name. Um, Marcelino. Uh, Marcelino, thank you. Um, you know, they're, they're still a very, very well organised side and a very, very, very effective team. And I think. That would be the, the most difficult of ties. But um, apart from that, I'd expect Nice and Marseille to, to, to go through. I think uh, Braga aren't necessarily the side that challenged the top three in Portugal perhaps five years ago. Um, they were beaten to fourth place by Vittorio Guimaraes um, in, in Portugal last last season. And we know how Marseille got, against, got on against them, which wasn't great. So that, you know, maybe, there's, maybe there's a caveat there. But in a, in a straight knockout tie, I'd, I'd fancy Marseille's superior superior quality to to come through um and as you said it'd be it would be great to see them go to the go to their that that braga braga stadium it'd be really really interesting to to see them play there but i i think in terms of general quality i i think marseille would have the edge have the edge there over braga and and moscow as well i think nice nice are really coming good um at the moment They're up to eighth in the league we talked about them sort of being way off european pace and you know, really sort of struggling. But given how tight the mid-table is in league and that win over Nantes yesterday, it was really good. They played, I thought they played very well and deserved their win. They're up to the eighth in the league and not far off. The European places, once again, and Flav sort of got his got his team back together and he sort of he sort of worked out how to work around those sales in the summer. So I'd fancy Nice, sorry, to um to to, to be quite the force in the in in the, in in the new year in the Europa League. So I think Marseille needs to go through, but Lyon are gonna it's gonna be a great game, but I think they might be outthought a little bit by Villarreal, given their sort of youthful exuberance that Leon had. But three really good games, nonetheless. Yeah, I have a feeling, especially for Nice, that they seem to be getting back on track. I think the the win at the weekend and the and the last couple of games have shown that they've they they're gaining some kind of momentum. And in the Europa League, they have been relatively good, to be fair to them. Although the two games against last year were a little bit of a struggle. And and my fear for both the other two teams I, I still fancy Marseille to beat Braga but both of them might switch their focus to what we'll discuss later in the fight for sort of the second place in the automatic Champions League place that might take on more importance as the as the deal goes on especially when you start looking at some of the teams that are in the champion well the Europa League draw I mean you look at Arsenal you look at Borussia Dortmund and Atletico Madrid who've fallen from the from the Champions League there's some really really strong teams that um they could possibly be facing and is it worth the effort to really push yourselves to that next level i mean you start looking at some of those other teams that have that are going to be competing and 
you start to wonder whether it's really worth it. At least, anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's some great quality. And Napoli dropped. I mean, Napoli, Leipzig's a great tie. Both of those are, are quality teams as well. But Zenit have had a good start to the season as well. Sporting are a quality side as well. It's going to be tough, really. Lazio, even though they've lost this evening um, in Italy, have, are, are really a force at the moment and possibly even champion, challenging for the title. Milan have been relatively good in the at least the Europa League. I know they've dropped in, in Serie A recently, but there's so many strong teams that you start to think, is it, the real end goal really for most teams is that you get an automatic Champions League place. The thinking is, is can you get there without too much hassle? And for a team like Manchester United last season, yes, that was a possibility. But for some of the French teams, is there maybe too much resistance if they get through that they face a difficult team that takes it out of their legs that maybe hinders them for that t- for that not title challenge but that second place challenge where they get an automatic place through the league anyway that might start playing on the mind at, at least I worry about that but two teams that really should be worried back to Ligue 1 action is uh, Saint Etienne and Bordeaux now I-, I mentioned in the news that both of them are on pretty poor win uh, runs Saint Etienne one win in ten. Um, that was against Mets of all teams who have won what one game this season, and Bordeaux who have won one in nine, ironically against Saint Etienne. So we'll start with Leiver. Um, they have been awful, and at the weekend as well, that could have been six, seven, eight. If if the post wasn't there, if there wasn't a goal frame, if there wasn't Stefan Rufio, this could have been a real, real route. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And on both counts, one, yeah, it definitely could have been, you know, a real embarrassment for, for Sanetian. And they have been terrible. That I think that defeat to Leon in the in the derby and the resulting resignation of Oscar Garcia has completely ended their season. I think I think even staying up would be a mild success for them given how well that how poorly they're playing and how much the, the wind has been knocked out of them. I mean, it was really humiliating. People that don't watch French football as much perhaps won't understand the, the, how significant the, the derby between Sinetian and, 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 and Lyon is. And to lose it 5-0 at home is possibly their worst day in their recent history. For the, you know, you're talking decades since something, something more terrible happened to them. And to lose Garcia when they were playing, they weren't playing great, but they were you know, up in the top six at the time. And you know, they, were, they were holding their own at least. And then it's sort of been compounded by uh, Julian Sebel, who's 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 obviously an, a good coach and he's done well with the the youth team at Saint-Étienne, but he he doesn't have the experience to to drag a team that lacks class um, and lacks confidence out of of this malaise. And it's his first proper, you know, senior first senior coaching job. I know Jean-Louis Gasset is there as well, but he's sort of there as almost a figurehead because he's the one with the coaching badges. And and it seems like um, an appointment that could really backfire for for Lever. And I, I think this season is is done, and it's just getting to the getting to next season, um, perhaps appoint a new manager then, and 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 restart and don't get relegated. And um, they, they look completely devoid of confidence. Without Roman Hamuna, they have no creativity, and their midfield is still the, the least inspiring in the league. And with Christoph Gautier did an extremely good job in sort of eking the best out of his players and you know he's very very tactical astute and he really knew how to to mold that team into the winning outfit and that took experience and it took know-how and it took being at this club as their manager for nine years to get them from to where they were and um, so 
and to take over from what is arguably an even weaker squad and, and do the same thing without any of those things it's going to be extremely difficult. And I think it shows how poor they were, that they were terrible in losing to Bordeaux, who are also terrible. That it's, it, it really does show how, how bad that it's got at St Etienne. I mean, I like them as a club. They've got, they've got very, you know, very exciting fans. They really make good, good atmospheres in, in, in the Egan games. But it's, it's really sad to see them, see them down there. I, I, I honestly think that 15th might be decent for them this season, given the quality of their squad. And if Perran stays out for, for longer than a... You know, he's, he's meant to be back in a new year, I think. So he's going to miss the rest of the, the you know, the last few games. Without him and Rufia, they, they'd be, on paper, this, this squad could be a relegation candidate. Yeah, and you start to worry about other things. I mean, you, you mentioned Perran then, and he's an enormous miss, and you can tell it yeah. straight away as soon as they start playing. I mean, if, it also feels to me like Pogba was maybe rushed back as well. He's He doesn't seem fit to me. He does, just They took him off at half-time in this one, and again, it, this performance was... A little bit laboured. He didn't quite have the speed he, he used to have as well next to next to Perron. Whether it's because of his absence, he doesn't look as assured. I'm not so sure. And it was just uh, dire. I, I mean, they thought that getting rid of Christophe Galtier and moving on and saying right onwards and upwards would be the method. But I, I don't necessarily thought they. I think a lot of people would say they they probably didn't bring in the right men in Oscar Garcia and the fact that he's left, regardless of what circumstances happened, they clearly didn't pick the right man. They've made their own bed for it in, with Sable as well, giving him the sort of permanent role, thinking that that would, wouldn't undermine him being sort of a caretaker um, and the players not playing for him because they're not playing for him anyway it's from the seams of things. There's, there's no real effort. The midfield is absent again. It, I mean, I feel sorry for for our very own Eric Devine, who's in our discussions for the 100, has been very much his supporter, but he was abysmal in this game. He really was poor. He gave the ball away. He was he fell asleep for the first goal. I think he gave the ball away for the second goal. He he was person on grata for most of this game, really. It was pretty bad. And then you start feel, feeling bad for some of the players, like Pierre-Gabriel gets sent off. It's he's having to try and chase back someone in the middle of the park. It's they, their one pass splits the entire defense and the young 19 year old sent right back left back even because he's playing out of position because they're determined to play Sider Yanko at right back. He's having to chase back and he sort of holds him back and then slips and then goes, I have to pull him down or they're going to score again. And he hopes to get away with it. He doesn't. And the pressure continues, really. I mean, it could have been five, six before he sent off, really, in all honesty. I don't think that really affected the game in the slightest. I thought the substitutions were, were average. They, I mean, to bring on Mbengue for Bamba after 74 minutes tells you that they were trying to sh- trying to shut the door, at least anyway, from the looks of things. And yeah, they just... They have nothing going forward at the moment. Dioni's not hitting the net, but he's getting nothing at all at the same time. The midfield is doing, it might as well not be existing and, and the defence just looks poor. And it, if you, you're right, if they didn't have someone like Ruffier, they, they could be in a much, much further mess. It's times like those that you think you have a fantastic goalkeeper, really. Well, probably the best in league and really on, on his days. He pulled off some great saves in this one as well that, uh, that kept them in the game. But... Mm. On, on Friday night, I, and I, I hesitate to say this a little bit, but I think Bordeaux were possibly even worse. Uh, mm. They they were pretty bad as well. They, they Again, we mentioned the last couple of weeks that they've been on a slide, but once you start looking at the statistics of it, you start realising how bad of a slide it's been. And uh, against at home, against Strasbourg, even though they bought the Paris Saint-Germain last week, you think 
that's not a bad game to try and recover something. But they they were awful. Yeah, <laughs> they were. I, I think they were terrible. And I think there is um, something to be said for, you know, there being even worse than Sanetti in this week. But I, I would like to give just before we, we tear Bordeaux apart and, and, you know, they do deserve it to some extent. Strasbourg were great again and they were fantastic against PSG and deserved this win too. And Bahokan with another goal was, was wonderful. This to Mirren, the hero that he is. Um, uh, they were really good and, and they've they sort of worked out how to, to play in this league and they've worked out what they're good at and they're sticking to it and it's working. Uh, yeah, and it's really tight in... Sorry? I was just going to say, Leonardo scored a fantastic free kick as well and they, oh, were, they were terrific on the counter as well. Yeah, Leonardo's been brilliant in the light. He was brilliant against PSG as well, wasn't he? He was absolutely, mm. absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, uh, Bordeaux, I think, I'm really, I feel really sorry for Justin Govanek, but I, I, the fans were sort of protesting his continued presence as manager um, during this game. And um, I really think his time is sort of, is, may also be coming to an end. Um, we talked about Emery, but I think Justin Govanek, if, if they start the new season, the new year, sorry, in, in this same form, he won't have long at all. It's a real shame because he's just so well at Gangon, winning, winning the cup and, and taking him into the knockout stage of the, the Europa League. Um, but this team has, has flattered to deceive ever since he took over. And it, 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 although it was better, better than it was under Willy Sagnol, um, it really feels like that they're never going to achieve the promise that they, they have. And, and it's, it's, it's become one of the sort of perpetual stories of, of Ligue 1, that Bordeaux look good and then don't achieve what they're, what they're threatening to. And they snuck into the top six last season. I mean, they ended up playing relatively well and they figured it out, but there was a long period where they were up and down. This has been mostly down, but they, they were sort of, you know, they were up and down for much of the season and, and, and snuck into the, into the top six towards the end. And based on the, their squad, they should be challenging those three sides that we'll talk about in a minute for second place. Not necessarily finishing second, but they should be competing with Lyon, Marseille and, and Monaco. Um, and perhaps one thing that really stood out in this game is that it shows how important Malcolm is. Um, they lost at Dijon before and, and they, you know, that was a very tight game and they were perhaps unlucky to lose. But without Malcolm, they have, you know, they, they look like a completely different team. And his uh, his sort of class and that brilliant goal he scored against Dijon, you know, they need that kind of thing to keep them afloat. And without him injured at the moment, they're going to struggle. I I just question a lot of things on this team at the moment. Really, he's Govanek just cannot decide what he wants to play as his team. I mean, Karik came in midfield this week. It's one of his first appearances of the season. He does not know what he wants to play at any point. He he started Varda and Cafu for some reason. I mean, Sankare came on and changed the midfield because Otavio in the first half wasn't playing particularly well and giving silly fouls away. And, and ironically, Sankare's foul gives a Leonard's free kick. But I think the real statement and the real, real worry was Martin Terrier's goal. I mean, I don't think he really went out of third gear when he was running. He didn't look like he was going that quickly, but he absolutely teared through that defence like he was a hot knife mm. through butter. I mean... Mm. How can you how can you defend that kind of defending, really? I mean, Toulon didn't even think about going for him. Uh, the, the other centre-back, Jovanovic, was nowhere near nowhere near to be seen. And Martin Terriers all of a sudden threw on goal and thinking, oh, OK, I'll score if you want me to, really. <laughs> um, it, it was inexcusable, really. And a lot of people already know that I'm very defensively biased, but that is appalling at any level, really. If we were seeing that in conference football here in England, we'd be shouting and screaming because it is, frankly, awful 
Um, he's been given the vote of confidence this weekend, um, Jocelyn Govanek, for his job. And we did mention that um, he has had some success at Gengump and we felt like he needed that that step up. But I think that after a year and a half, we've sort of seen enough of what he can really do with his team. I mean, he's had the time to bring in his own players. He's had the time to establish his own systems and nothing's really worked. He's never really worked out a goal scorer. He's relying now on the magnificence of someone like Malcolm to, to pull something out with a fire more often than not. He can't get the balance in the midfield right. He decided not to bring in centre-backs, which seems to be a theme on loads of teams at the moment, really, that they just don't want to invest in defenders. And they paid the price against a, a Strasbourg team bored by the result last week. And from the second minute onwards, when Bahoken did score that goal, they, they caused problems. They should have scored a fourth with a header that hit the bar. They had numerous different chances where it could have been, again, five away from home, which is, a, as, as we mentioned briefly, that's a terrific result from Strasbourg. I think they played better than they did against Paris Saint-Germain. I thought they were brilliant. Um, and this is a real boost for them. It reminds me a little bit of the um, little run we saw from Colin, their first season back up, where just before the winter break, they had four or five really good results. And that carried on into the just after the winter break, where they got into form again. And that essentially saved them for a relegation. And I just feel that's where Strasbourg are now as well. Um, but this Bordeaux team, again, you start looking at that table for both these sides, really, of Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux, and both are only two points away from the drop zone at the moment. Um, and that's in a, well, from the relegation playoff, at least, anyway. And there's teams like, you look at Troyes, who almost won at the weekend. They could have gone and both of them both. Toulouse got a win there, only a point away from them. D, uh, Strasbourg went above above them. Dijon could have were, were soundly beaten in the end, but they've they've sort of hung around there. Gengomp won, so they went above them as well. It's very close in that sort of lower half of the lower mid half of the table. But are both of these starting to look over the shoulders? I mean, if something doesn't change and change quickly, um, they could be in real trouble, couldn't they? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I think, though, for Bordeaux's point of view, um, it's really worrying. But I, I think that I know that it's, it's a bit of a cliche to say they're too good to go down, but they do have the quality to sneak the odd win here and there. And uh, there are there are several sides still in the league that are worse than them. But they, they are very much looking over their shoulder. And that's the kind of the point that you know they really shouldn't be in this position at all. Like they should be. They should be. They're, they're probably the fifth best squad in the league on paper, at least at the start of the season. We were talking about them challenging for a Champions League place or, a, you know, an automatic Europa League place. So, yeah, they are looking over their shoulder. I think that I think they'll be okay. But the fact that they're even in the question is 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 ridiculous. And it's yeah, you're absolutely right. They defensively absolutely terrible, and something does need to change. And change quickly. Um, but mm. we'll, we'll talk about teams that are really succeeding because the, the fight further up for second with the three teams now on 35 points in, in Marseille, Monaco and Lyon. They're all separated by goal difference, really. It's a little bit further for Marseille, but Monaco and Lyon are only a, a goal in between them at the moment. Um, all sides won at the weekend, but we'll start with Monaco because it was a bit of a tricky one and it wasn't the greatest day for Daniel Subasic, who's really to blame for both the Twa goals. But... A testament to maybe Monaco turning a corner by uh, fighting until the end in this one, and, and eventually getting that win thanks to a, a double from Korea. Yeah, um, I think this is the type of performance that Monaco, perhaps this season anyway, have lacked. But you know, a couple of their wins have been sort of very blowout wins, and they've gone and they've gone and you know really thrashed people. Um, and there have been times when they haven't shown the fight that they had last season. And I think it's really important for them to prove that 
um, that when they're not necessarily on form, they can still win games and they can still beat sides who are going to make it difficult for them, which is what they did really well last season. You know, they just overwhelmed teams. And obviously, they don't have the players, as we discussed many times, that they do before. They had last season, sorry. And you know, it's gonna, they're going to have to do it in a different way. But, you know, this is one of the first signs that they've proved that they can do, they can win in a different way. And they don't need to be that freewheeling Mbappe, Bakayoko and Bernardo Silva team to win games when, when they're under pressure. So, yeah, I think it's really important for them to win, win games. And, it, you know, it's a massive confidence boost. Um, but <clears throat> huge to, to the team is Lamar returning as well. I mean, it wasn't his, you know, his, he wasn't at his best, but you, you can see the influence that he has as, as soon as he's, as, you know, as soon as he's in the side and uh, the combination of the two, you know, things are looking up for them. And Eric made a really good point um, that, you know, without European football now, they've finished bottom of their group and players are turning like Lamar, then, you know, the, the, the title race isn't necessarily done. And, and although, that, you know, it's a long shot, it's a, it's a valid point. And if they're going to catch PSG, they're going to need to win games like this. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that they were able to show that they've got some, you know, some gumption and they can, they can come behind against the Trois, who are a very tricky side to play against sometimes. And, you know, they've got some nice little players and, and you know, the, the, I, I hope anyway, because I quite, I quite like following them, especially after their nightmare that they were up before and um, that they start the season. So, yeah, a really good win. And, and it's really nice to see Monaco proving that they've got the sort of mental fortitude to, to win these really tight affairs against tricky opponents. Yeah, it was nice to see Tua being a bit more plucky in this one. I mean, they were incredibly lucky, really, with the two goals. Subasic <laughs> sort of palms it straight into Suku's in front of him, the first one. And the second one is a is an awful attempt in the clearance that hits the, the Korean international straight away. And he uh, just about keeps it in play to, to notch it into the goal, which is impressive for him. Five goals in this season. That's nice a return that Tua really needed. But it was really important, I think, for Monaco to, to get this one. And, and what I'm really enjoying, because... I didn't think it was technically possible. Really, was is the resurgence of uh, Guido Carrillo and, and his sort of importance to the team when he does come on and, and play at the moment. He's had a couple of games where he's really had a, a real go, and you start thinking that at the moment Jovetic is out, um, Keita Balde's not hitting the ground running. Although he had that excellent shot in the first half where he, he used his body well, it's just brief moments really from the from the former Lazio man at the moment, but but Carrillo's making an impact for himself. And this was something that was lacking in his first sort of two, three years, that he would get the odd game and he would get the odd goal, but he would never really make a real impact on the team. And now with his ability in the air, with, with the amount of crosses that um, Monaco can swing in from all kinds of angles, really, um, he's really benefiting. And it, he took his, both his goals well. I thought the first one was a really nice header. The second one, opportunistic. He's clearly more confident than uh, than we saw last season when he was sort of fourth choice behind uh, Germain Mbappe and, and Falcao. But it's great to see him start scoring goals and hopefully maybe he can be an outlet for them this season when, again, he may have expected to be fourth choice again, really. So it's a, a real positive for him. But onto a side that, again, needed to come from behind was Leon. Um, it was a bit of a struggle, really, against Ami. And they, the host went ahead early on. Uh, they had a good couple of good chances. They obviously had the penalty as well at, near the end when it was 1-1 and Kakuta hits the post. Uh, but Hasimawa just about saves them with a, with a lovely finish at the, at the very end of the game. They, they kind of got out of jail on this one, didn't they? Yeah, they did. It was a very sort of similar story to um, to, to Monaco to some extent. In fact, that they, that they you know came up against a tricky you know um, 
promoted side who who are you know to improving their their worth in the league and and showing that they can be competitive and and are very sort of awkward to play against and I again I think this is another st- uh, situation where I would like to give some credit credit to uh, to Amion who again you know were, were absolutely fantastic for long stretches of this game and and possibly didn't deserve to lose we mentioned Twa you know <clears throat> went into the lead against against Monaco through a couple of poor errors from uh, from Subasic but. Twelve uh, for Amiens, sorry, were absolutely brilliant in this game, and Forrest deserved their lead. And and you know this game really could have swung the other way with Kakuta's penalty miss when he hit the post, and then obviously as you mentioned, went up the other end, and now are scored. Um, but again, I, I think it's it, it's a similar point to make for Leon that if they're going to keep pace with those those top sides and really challenge on on more than one front, uh, one one front this season in the Europa League and in Ligue 1, and perhaps the cups too, they they, they could be a, a, a really good bet for a cup competition given their sort of style of play and that they can on on the day they can really beat anyone um that that you know they, they prove they can win games that, are, that are this this sort of match as monica did in a very sort of tight tight affairs and and, and they can sneak those those very narrow wins and uh, i thought our was absolutely fantastic obviously he scored both goals but apart from that his weight of pass is unbelievable the, the type of passes he pulls off and he, right into the exactly where he's he's aiming for for a striker to run onto he very, very, really misplaces the pass, and 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 his vision is absolutely fantastic. And although he scored twice, that wasn't necessarily the thing that stood out about his performance. He's he's beginning to make Leon Leon tick, and and it's it's really exciting to see. I think he's kind of the player this season that's breaking into the into the league as Dembele did and Mbappe did. And I think you know, although Leon are perhaps perhaps a little bit more capable of the type of player is to hold on holding on to him. You know, he he might not be at Leon too much longer. How how well he's playing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game as well. I thought I know advert for the league is another cliche, but it was the case here. I, I really enjoyed watching this game, and I, I felt like both sides, a big side and, and a side who perhaps you know a little bit under the radar, both performed really well and showed you know what exciting football they can both play. So um, a great game. Unfortunately, unfortunate for Amiens to lose, but um, Leon led by Auer, you know, still still a force to be reckoned with, and, and Auer is, is is quite the player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's a terrific young player. I mean, at times it, it was a bit tough for Leon. They they really couldn't figure a way around Damien. I think they defended brilliantly for a long periods of this game, and and a couple of really slick kind of moves caught them out in the end. Unfortunately, that I, I think they have just about enough about them to stay out of the relegation zone if they if they keep on playing like that. And they have in the last sort of recent weeks, they were on a terrific unbeaten run. That's it's no shame really in losing that to a team like Leon, but um, they, yeah, Leon overall though, it just it feels like they're still missing something. Whether that's because uh, Bertrand Traore has been out recently, that sort of Fab Four we were thinking about earlier being a little bit more disjointed now that they're they're sort of popping in and out of games because because of those injuries, like we saw Depay obviously come off in this one. Maxwell Corne hasn't really quite stepped up to the mark. It, it feels like that they look like a much better team all of a sudden without the extra pace of, of Traore with Ndombele in there with Awar. It freed up the youngster a little bit more. He had a little bit more space playing a little bit wider, obviously linked up with uh, Ndombele for his opener as well. It just felt that maybe Genesio needs to be more aware of which games will work better if they play a 4-3-3 instead of that 4 2 so 4-2-3-1 that's really succeeded because without Bertrand Traore in his pace, I don't, I don't think Corne is a, is a good enough replacement at the moment. He's, he scored once at really during this room he's had at the moment, but he's, he's not had enough. I think if you had Fakir 
maybe playing a little bit wider. He's I know he doesn't really love playing wider, but he is obviously capable of playing sort of as a as a right inside forward because there would still be uh, Tete going outside of him and, and he'd get support from Alwar and Dumbele as well. He could even play centrally and, and, and play Diaz further wide if you preferred or, or something of that nature. It is difficult to mix it, but it just feels like this Leon team need to have a plan B for these kind of games because for long, long periods, they they really did look like they were going to get beat. And, and even when the... When the penalty comes, you think, "Oh, this this might be the chance for Armian." And it, I don't even think Kakuta is to blame for that. When he almost hits the inside of the post, he's really unlucky, really on that one, um, and a and a chance missed for them to uh, get a real, real result in uh, in Liga. But we go back really to the the game we briefly touched on earlier with Saint-Étienne because they were awful, but at the same time, Marseille were pretty good. I would say. I mean. <laughs> It feels a bit awkward again because they, they won 3-0 and that's a fantastic result. It was great to see Germain score a couple of goals. That will do him the world of good, it seems. Um, but they were a little bit wasteful, really. I mean, they could have made a real statement in this game and, and 3-0 feels a little bit of an anticlimax in the end. Yeah, I definitely can see where you're coming from. But I think the most the most important thing for Marseille is they look like a team. They look like a team yesterday. Yeah, they were, they were wasteful and they could have really embarrassed an Etienne. But there have been sort of signs of of, of sort of cohesion, in, at least not in Europa League, but in in Ligue 1 for sure. They're, they're five and a win over Car, who are obviously doing very well and you know well up in the top half, and this win as well. They're showing that they can play the type of football that we ex- that we expect from them. It's not necessarily there all the time, and they, you've got they still have a long way to go. But they're starting to look like a team rather than a collection of very good individuals which kind of, you know, got them through before and it's kind of got them through in Europa League as well where they've been really sort of lacklustre. But um, so it was, that's, I think, from, from Rudy Garcia's point of view, it's really important to see that his team is becoming his team and it's not just, you know, that sort of budget PSG we've talked about before on the pod. So that's that's great for them and it's great for Liga and I think if Marseille are strong, then Liga is strong, which is which is fantastic. And they're heading in an upward trajectory all of a, all of a sudden. I think they're unbeaten in, 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 in mm. is it 10... 10 games now in the league? They've Long, gone longer. Uh, is it that, 12? Yeah, they, they were last beaten on week five by uh, Ren at home. So it's a long... Yeah, I didn't realise it was even that long since they'd, uh, they'd been defeated in Liga. So at least that's... Yeah, so at least they're sort of showing that consistency. And I kind of think to give to give Garcia the benefit of the doubt, that was kind of been his plan to sort of start with a solid base and, and sort of build from there. And, and it's starting to come to fruition a little bit. So that's great. I, I, and I, I, you know, I, it'd be great if Marseille can really challenge. It's great to see, and Tuvan's been absolutely fantastic this season. And um, perhaps a little bit selfish at times, but still brilliant to watch. Newcastle fans wouldn't recognise him at all. Payet was injured, and I think struggling to come back. And he's played what the last seven games, I think, and he's sort of starting to look like he's coming back to form a little bit. It was good yesterday. Germain's two goals again, as you said, would do an absolute world of good. But Troglu's been disappointing to say the least. But again, I think he's struggling with fitness too. Um, but I'd really love to highlight Luis Gustavo, who has been utterly fantastic since signing from Wolfsburg. He's sort of, <clears throat> he's running the team at the moment. And in the Europa League against Salzburg, although it was, you know, a bit of a dead rubber for Salzburg, perhaps without Luis Gustavo's dominating display, then they might have perhaps lost that game and sort of fallen out of the Europa League, which would be a huge blow to them. So he's, so he's proving to be an absolutely fantastic signing. And at 30, he looks like, he looks like he looks like the man, basically. He looks like he's sort of matured into into the midfield role, and 
he really he really controls games and 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 for a league inside that that's huge and for Marseille he's become a real talisman so I'm loving watching him play he's he's, he's such a good such a good player so fantastic on the ball and looks like he he's he's a leader for that team which play the younger players like Lopez who's 20 Zambra who's only 22 Sanson 23 that you know they can really use that experience and and his class so um Marseille look good and led by Gustavo and I, I'm I'm really excited to see how his role in the team develops because he could become a real hero for for Marseille although it's late in his career but you know you never know he could be there sometime and, and really become a real velodrome sort of hero which is he's been fantastic yeah that's the interesting thing really about this this runner and I also want to give a little bit of credit for Campos, who scored again coming mm. off the bench. He's been surprising this season. He does seem to slowly grow in, into these games, really, for Marseille. But even though there have been sort of questions about them several times this season, they are still picking up results. I mean, we, since that rain game, you start looking at the games that they, they they beat Amiens and, and uh, Toulouse relatively comfortably. They were they were great against Nice. They were pretty lucky against Strasbourg. They were really good against PSG, but obviously ended up drawing. Again, they were looking at Lille, maybe to just nick that 1-1-0. Superb at Caen. They were a little bit lucky again at Bordeaux. They struck in the last couple of minutes to win that game. Uh, sorry, to draw that game even. Uh, Betts is a dead rubber for anyone. They sort of snuck past Gangon 1-0 when they probably should have won better. The one last week against Montpellier where they, they, they in all honesty, maybe they, that could have got away from them really. They were incredibly lucky to draw that one and then they've uh, I think everyone walks over Santa Tin at the moment but I think the real test for them and we'll discuss more obviously on Thursday because it's a cracking game coming up as they head to the uh, Park OL to take Leon um on that's a, it's a cracking game that is that I think mm. that's going to be their watermark at the moment I think the Paris Saint-Germain test was the the obvious one of saying this is where their level is at this moment but after this sort of run that they've gone through all these sort of more mid table to lower table sides that they faced recently that they've gone either they've pelt it seems like a different on a weekly basis they either smash through them or they really really struggle to get the right result but they get some kind of result at least anyway um this is going to be their watermark with Leon on a good run as well, although it's stuttered a little bit more recently. This will sort of decide which of these two sides is really going to head into the winter break, thinking yes, the, the second place is on. We can fight. We can be the team to fight with Monaco for that that place um, going into the second half of the season. And and it just feels like if Marseille can pull it off away from home, especially then they're definitely in the race. If they, if they can't pull off another win, again, they would feel like against a big side, they couldn't get the victory, they couldn't get themselves and their nose over the line, in a sense, especially after that heavy defeat in Monaco uh, early this season. Maybe the second half of the season needs to continue in the same path of, of beating these smaller ties. And then when it does come to that big game, get a result and they might be in the shout. But it just feels like and I'm sure Marseille fans will hate me saying it at the moment. It just feels like they're just a notch below the other two just. It just seems like they sort of squeeze themselves through games too often. And, and that will be the real test to see if they can really be contenders. Uh, let's move on really to our league and our snapshot now. And, and I'll give you free reign, Adam, to really talk about any kind of thing you saw in league and this weekend that we've not already mentioned. I mean, there was a... Number of terrific games. I'll I'll talk about a couple of sides. I jinxed earlier from last week's show, at least later on. But what's your league on snapshot? 
Um, I, I'm going to go with Angers this week, and, and a particular sort of facet of of Stefan Moulin's management, um, and it's it's the way he's using his sort of premier players, if you like, his sort of standout players. Kaltoko, if you look at their best players, you're talking Kaltoko Kambo is obviously runaway the best player. He, they scored a brilliant, he scored a brilliant goal, team goal, played a couple of one twos, one with Baptiste Guillaume, and and, and scored the equaliser against Montpellier, which again they drew one all, and perhaps were looking to win. But the way he's used Ismail Traore recently, he he's 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 their captain and he's he's 31 now, but has, has long been one of their their better players. And I felt he started the season pretty well, and he's he's perhaps physically he's, he's quite imposing, but he perhaps he's not the the fittest or leanest of 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 guys going into his 30s. And um, Mulan to rest him sort of dropped him for a couple of games, a game at Gangon and, and at Troyes as well, which they didn't win either games. They lost three 0 at Troyes, and since he's come back, he's looked really sort of off the pace and he's really looked really sort of lumbering and and not the same player that he was before and it's like it's interrupted his momentum and I really feel like that that kind of thing could, could come back to bite me and his his sort of rotation of his team and his his trying things out and the goal that Montpellier scored is quite embarrassing from Troy's point of view he sort of the ball sort of played across the area and he swings and misses the ball and then I think and I, I, I'm not sure it might have been Muka Lely perhaps some but who, I actually can't remember who scored the goal but they just tap it in on the line and he's, it just looks embarrassed just swimming and missing the ball looking, looking completely out of sorts and he's done the same with Mangani he rested him at the, at the weekend he, he's obviously his performances have dropped from the start of the season when he was absolutely brilliant and he was last season too and I'm just worried that the, the same thing could happen there and that that, that could interrupt his rhythm and, and it was perhaps something that both these players need to work through rather than Mulan taking them out of the firing line and then dropping them back in and and if if those two players aren't on form you know the spine of the team is 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 kind of in ruins a little bit because you, you uh, Toko can be good but he can't do it all by himself so I really think that they that going into the, the the transfer window, they kind of need to settle on a team. We need to settle on this team, and they need to stick to that that formula that has served them so well. Um, set pieces, keeping the ball really well in midfield, counter attacking <clears throat> instead of maxing and mixing matching. Roman Tomar played in midfield this week, which was seemed like a bizarre decision. I know he's played there before, but not for a while. And so basically, I think really think Mulan needs to stick to his guns, have faith in his players that have gotten this far. And I hate to see Angers get relegated. As we talked about in the pod, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of theirs. Um, so it'd be really disappointing to see them go down. If they can get Shake and Doy back from Birmingham, he's not doing that great there. That would be fantastic. And we, they get the band back together and they'll stay up. But yeah, I think he needs to think about just settling on a team and 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 having faith in those players, which he hasn't done recently. It's, it's a shame to see players like Troy and Mangani drop off in form, perhaps as a result. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting second half of the season. And I really hope that they can pull it together. Yeah, I'm just imagining him sort of flying back to, to Angers to save them. Uh, yeah, it was strange. I mean, Traore's attempt to save that goal, it, it was almost <laughs> like he didn't work out how a ball bounces. That was that mm. was the strange thing because it wasn't the most, it wasn't at all the most awkward ball in the world, but he made it look uh, much more awkward. And it was it was Isaac and Benzer who ended up uh, bundling yes. it in the net. But yeah, you start to worry now that they're three points off Lille. Um, they are 15, Lille are in 18th with 18. You start thinking they need to maybe get a result just before that winter break. If they have a bit of a gap compared to everyone else who's sort of clustered in together, if they aren't within that sort of crazy lower fr from about really cold, well, even maybe even Montpellier down, I know that's seventh, but they're only on 23 points. 
that Lille are on 18. If they can't sort of be in that cluster with everyone else come come the winter break, you start thinking that if they can't turn things around early, are they going to drift? Are they sort of going to be in a in a separate group on their own between those group and, and Mets who are obviously pretty much cut adrift already? Um, it's a real worry. And two wins all season is an awful stat. I know that's nine draws as well is, is a league-leading stat really, but... They should win more games by now, and and that him trying a Mulan trying a sort of diamond formation didn't really work at all. But I'll talk very quickly about a couple of things. Really, um, I, I apologise for any Dijon fans and Con fans that are, are listening at all because uh, last week I said Dijon fantastic in form. It's great to see them playing attacking football. They've been terrific. They lose four 0 against Gengom, <laughs> and then I mentioned that oh Con maybe we need a couple more players and they'd be a really exciting side. I I think they. They're playing really good football and will cause a lot of teams a lot of problems and they help to lose get out of a funk by winning 2-0. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I would attempt not to jinx too many sides. I'm, I'm so, I'll apologise early for Strasbourg. Fans that we've uh, we've mentioned them being terrific. Maybe they won't uh, pull up any trees next weekend. But there were some great little moments. I mean, the only game we haven't really mentioned, uh, Adam, is the the other one on, on Sunday night, which was uh, not Nice. Um a bit of a tough one, really, in all honesty, for, for, for Nantes. They maybe feel like they should have done better in this game, but Nice slowly but surely are, are, are getting better. And I just wanted to highlight someone like Mario Balotelli, who mm. hasn't quite fallen off the map on the global scale, but he's probably Nice's best player this season. Yeah, yeah, his goal yesterday was brilliant, wasn't it? The, the, mm. It was classic Balotelli, and apart from the fact that he was away from home, in that the way he hit the ball so early as it, it sort of came back to him, it was no one had any time to react, including Tata Rosano, and it just flew into the corner. It was such a great goal. And, and I, I felt like Nice, you know, like I said earlier, they sort of came back to not their best, but the Lucien Fars worked out how to make this team into a more effective unit, and he's getting the best out of Bellatelli. So he must be, he must be doing something, right? Something that managers have tried to do and failed to do for some years now. And um, yeah, I, I think he's probably. Apart from John Michel Serio, he's probably the most important player as well. The way he leads the line alongside players, as long as he's got players, sort of lieutenant alongside that does most of his running for him, then, you know, he can be a really effective player in this league. And the goal yesterday is, is an example of the type of thing he's capable of. And it was, yeah, fantastic stuff in there, really. If only he ever looked pleased scoring goals in league. Right? <laughs> he never seems to be pleased at all when he scored no. a goal in, in this division. But we'll it's finish. The famous, with... um, the famous quote that he said, it's probably relatively known where he said that people asked him why you don't celebrate when you score goals. And he said, well, it's my job. You don't see a postman celebrating when they deliver letters, do you? Yeah, Which true. Is fantastic. Well, a bit of a smile wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, half the exactly. Time, I don't yeah, think. exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. I think, at least. I'll briefly push past the fact that we've not really mentioned the Nets, uh, Mets uh, run game for the for the sake of Jez and, and Rich. I'm sure they <laughs> neither of them will really want to talk, one of them wanting see, well, since Mets went in front to, to win that one and one pretty happy that at least one, his side didn't get beat by the only team that are still in single digits this season. But I do want to finish really with one snapshot that was sent in to us really from uh, the Australian Noel fan who is a, a regular contributor. So thanks for this one because it did give me a smile this morning and that is um, a little incident with Bruno Genesio in the game between them and Army and, in, and the man, uh, the uh, referee eventually uh, sent him from the sidelines. Um, the uh, Lyon manager then on French TV it was caught on the uh, subtitles told the referee he had... Um, Small genitalia and uh, should go back to <laughs> Ligue 2. Um, not the best way to put it. It might cause him, uh, I would, at least in England, that would be a touchline ban, I would think, and mm. rightfully so. But uh, 
We'll, we'll wait and see on that one, at least anyway. My th- <laughs> that's all that we have time for. My thanks to Adam and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show that will be back on Thursday, and the main show will be back here at the same time, same place next week. I'll be until, and goodbye.